0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: Welcome to Dear Prudence. I'm your prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. This week, we'll be responding to readers' dilemmas about workplace coffee runs, unwanted birthday gifts involving cameos from D-list celebrities, dogs who steal food, and husbands who react really strangely when that happens. Here to help me out is Josh Gondelman. Josh is an author, comedy writer, producer, and stand-up comedian. He was an executive producer and writer for Deezus and Merrow on Showtime, and is a regular panelist on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Josh, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you for having me. Um, I feel like this is a program I was born to participate in. I was born prudent. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I totally agree. You're very wise. Thank you. You're very kind. You're very compassionate. That's like something I have to remind myself to be, but I think (laughs) it comes naturally to you.
2: I mean, certainly I didn't start off like fun or interesting or exciting. And so (laughs) I was left with kind of having a cautious judgment, even from a young age.
1: You got to work with what you have. That's right. And on that note, I want to give you a chance to give one piece of unsolicited advice. What do people need to know that you have just been wishing someone would ask about?
2: Oh, this is such a good question. One piece of unsolicited advice. I think like if you're a person who works in a creative field, which I often get asked advice for those people, I would say when you're doing stuff for free, like that you're just like, Oh, I'm doing, I'm creating stuff on spec because I want to showcase my portfolio or build my skills. Do the stuff that's as close to exactly what you want to do as you can in the mm. long run, if you know what that is. Mm-hmm. So all, all that is to say, don't start off going like, this is what's really hot right now. I'm going to start off doing this kind of stuff because then mm-hmm. people want to pay me for it because then you're develop if that's not what you like doing and it's not creatively fulfilling for you you're starting off from this position of I'm gonna get really good and build all my skills at something that's a pain in the butt to do or something that like is a slog to do mm-hmm. and uh, when you can start off by being like oh I wonder if I could just like do the thing that I wanted all the time <laughs>
1: and, mm. yeah that's really smart thank you you should put that as a post on LinkedIn okay Career advice, you know,
2: I've worked in comedy and comedy adjacent fields for so long that the only time I ever interact with LinkedIn is when my ex from 12 years ago's brother sends me an invitation for something that's like he sells golf apparatus and I'll get Uh an invitation for that and uh and I'm like I don't even know how to use this website I've never logged in how did you find me here
1: yeah it's not as big in like in certain fields anyway do the free work that you want to do for your career and we will take a quick break and come back to answer some questions Welcome back. You're listening to Dear Prudence, and I'm here with Josh Gondelman. Let's go ahead and get started with our first letter, which is called Cameo No.
3: As a regular reader of the Slate Advice columns, I know that there are a good amount of letters regarding unwanted gifts, and the advice is usually something along the lines of accepting with gratitude and donating what you don't want. Well, I don't think that advice will apply here. I'm the last of my close group of friends to hit a milestone birthday. For everyone else's, we've all gone in and split a gift. A gift certificate to a favorite restaurant, concert tickets to a favorite singer, along those lines. Then, there was my gift. My friends got me a cameo from a D-list reality star I like. If you aren't familiar with a cameo, it's a personalized video message from a celebrity. I looked it up, and they didn't even spend close to what we've spent on everyone else's gifts. Some of them can cost a couple of hundred dollars. This one did not. But it's not even about the cost. Frankly, I'd probably be more irritated if they spent a lot of money on something so completely useless. I just feel like they made me an afterthought because I was last. Everyone else's gift, we put thought into an experience they'd appreciate. What the hell am I supposed to do with this video? The message came by text. I didn't say anything to my friends after I watched it. I eventually got a group text asking if I got it. I just replied, yes. Someone asked me to send the link so they could see it, and someone asked if I liked it. I ignored both. One friend then texted me on the side and asked if everything was okay and if I was mad about it. I texted back that I was disappointed. I haven't heard anything from them since. I really don't know where to go from here. Am I overreacting? Did I have any right to say that I was disappointed? And if I am justified in how I feel, how do I express that to them in a way that doesn't make it sound like I'm just a gift-grabbing brat?
1: So, um, for people who don't know about Cameo, like the letter said, um, you can get a personalized video message from a celebrity and... Big air quotes around celebrity. (laughs) Um, Because it's anyone from Neve from Catfish. That's a celebrity to me. Mm. He's $249. Have you ever seen Below Deck, the reality show?
2: No, I know of it.
1: So the captain from the ship on that show, he's $250. Wow. They have people from 90 Day Fiance for $20 the random MTV spin-off shows, like different challenges, those people are going for about ten. And there's the host of My Cat from Hell, which I haven't seen.
2: Is that Jackson Galaxy? Yeah. Okay. Yes.
1: How much do you think he goes for?
2: Four hundred dollars.
1: Only a hundred and ten. Okay. I guess I say all that to say it's really hard to know like what the correlation is between who you might see as D list and who might actually be expensive on Cameo. Totally. So my first reaction was, you know, maybe they actually paid some good money for this person who you think Mm -hmm. is not, like, high-end. But then I reread the letter and it said it wasn't expensive. (laughs) It
2: was not even expensive. So I have a little cameo context, like, because these are all kind of in this unscripted TV realm, right? But there are people, Mm -hmm. I think for at least a period, the most in-demand cameo was the guy who played Kevin on The Office. Um, Mm. So he's there. And then I know... A couple of friends got my friend's father a cameo from Major League Baseball Hall of Famer, Boston Red Sox legend David Ortiz. I believe. Oh
1: wow! See, I don't even. I'm not even into sports, and I know that. Yeah. So
2: there are like some true household names, and then I think there's like there are probably some people that have been like fairly rocked by scandal. Like I think there was a time where like former Donald Trump lawyer Michael Cohen Mm. was on cameo. Mm -hmm. So it like truly runs the gamut of like. An absolute household name to like, ooh, a person that you know if you are a fan of this uh, specific genres of work to uh, people that are like (laughs) on the lam, essentially.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've gotten one. My husband got me one from um, John B., like the R&B artist. Oh, that's fun. Probably the early 2000s. Another side note on this is there are no like, I don't think there's much quality control. You Mm -hmm. can give them some notes on what you want them to say, but John B. brought no energy to my cameo. I mean, he was like out on his front porch just mumbling. Um, <laughs> he was n- like not in the birthday spirit in the least, but you <laughs> know, he got, his, <laughs> he got his however many dollars from it.
2: Totally. And it is very person to person. There are some people I think who really take pride in it, right? Who are like, oh, mm-hmm. this is like, I'm reaching out to a fan. They've spent money on this. I'm yeah. going to really kind of give it a little razzle dazzle. Yeah. And then so it's all
1: about it's their choice. They yeah. can give zero razzle dazzle if they right. want to. All that said, to give the big picture um, of Cameo and how good or bad it can be, do you think this was like an offensively bad gift?
2: So I kind of think it was not a bad gift, but it was a swing and a miss. Mm. Like the key to me in a close reading of this letter <laughs> is that it is a reality star that the letter writer. Likes, so it did seem like kind of uh, and, and knowing the high variance of cameo, it could have turned out really lovely. Yeah, but it feels like they, the friends, whiffed for sure.
1: Yeah. But I think I don't think they whiffed in a way that um represents disrespect for the letter writer or like a lack of care about the letter writer's birthday. This is kind of my most generous interpretation of what happened. So everyone in the group typically gets an experience as their gift, and the letter writer didn't. And it sounds like everyone got something that was in like the fifty to two hundred dollar mm-hmm. range dinner, concert tickets, and I think the friends budgeted something similar for the letter writer went and looked up their celebrity and they were like, Oh my God, what a deal. This person is cheap. (laughs) And it was a surprise because pricing is all over the place. Mm -hmm. I also think possibly, um, this is what I know about friend groups. There's one ringleader typically when it comes to purchasing gifts. Um, everyone didn't put in the same effort. There's one organized, you know, mom of the group who did it. And, you know, maybe that person was busy. Or had a death in the family, or was affected by the Adderall shortage.
2: This reading of the letter goes beyond what I thought the (laughs) the limits of charity and compassion were.
1: (laughs) This is, I think, there's a narrative where these friends did not mean to like dismiss or disregard the letter writer's gift giving desires in any way. Yeah. Um. But what we don't know, because of course we don't always have the whole story, is like is this part of a pattern or does this reinforce mm-hmm. something the letter writer has been feeling as far as being like deprioritized in the group or not valued or not celebrated? And so I would ask them to reflect on that.
2: I think that's such a good point, right? Because on paper, it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like an offensive attempt. Um, not everybody wants the same things, right? Not everybody wants to Go to a concert necessarily. And I think for some people, this would be really a meaningful thing. Not, not that the letter writer has to be like grateful because some people, Oh, there's cameo less children overseas that would, that are starving (laughs) for cameos here. Um, (laughs) but like it does seem on paper, it feels like an earnest effort that just didn't Mm -hmm. land. And, And I think you're right, right? Like the idea of did they, uh, overlook me because I'm last, maybe, but like that doesn't seem to be a criteria for overlooking someone. But there might be some reason that with this past experience w- within this friend group dynamic, that it was a less effortful, less thoughtful gift, certainly.
1: So this is the tough question that the letter writer asks. Did they have a right to say they were disappointed? I mean, what I always say is you have a right to do whatever you want. Long, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as it's legal. But I guess what they really want to know is were they a jerk? And was it wasn't a bad move to say they were disappointed. <sighs>
2: I'm a bad gift receiver. That's a fact Mm. about me. This first letter immediately um, is causing me to look deep inside myself in a way Mm. that I'm not especially comfortable with. It's not your fault. It's just (laughs) I resist introspection at every turn. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I do. I think it depends on the this existing relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. Like. Because the friends really did seem to care if the gift recipient liked it, right? Like, how did you get it? Did you like it? Like, it seemed like- Oh, that's such a good point, yeah. They had an excitement for the recipient to feel it. So, Or excuse me. They had an excitement for the recipient to receive and react to it. So again, I think that's one more data point for like good faith effort gone awry. Um, And I guess- Yeah, it's okay to say, like you said, they can say whatever they want. But I do think that given the circumstances of ostensibly reasonable effort made here, Mm -hmm. maybe the letter writer could have done a little more buttressing of, you know, I was really excited for this kind of experience. And this this birthday is a big deal for me and 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 i had kind of been anticipating something like this that i could like experience with a friend or with a partner in the future um and so i was a little caught off guard by this and mm-hmm. it and and so i'm you know i'm not as enthusiastic as maybe you'd hope
1: i'm dying because you say that knowing that You're famous for being nice and you would absolutely never say that. (laughs) You would rather die.
2: I don't think I would do it the way the letter writer did though. I think like the kind of abrupt, like, you know, we're kind of taught that like, you don't have to like hem and haw about your feelings. You don't have to Mm -hmm. um, couch your feelings in all this accessorizing language. But I do think like if they're trying and they miss the mark and you're disappointed, it's okay to say like, Oh, I, I, Jar, sure, yeah, I am. I was a little caught off guard by this, but I think to kind of abruptly be like, Yeah, I was disappointed, and then like, no yeah. follow up does feel a little cold in the face of what might be warmth,
1: right? And then I don't think there was a, a thank you anywhere in here, which is yeah, kind of um, that's a great point. I think what I would suggest is, and I'm conflict avoidant as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not as nice as you, but I'm as afraid <laughs> of conflict. So I don't think I would say I'm, I'm disappointed. I don't know if that feedback really helps at this point. Yeah. And it also could make you kind of that person in the group of friends who people don't want to deal with. Do you know what I mean? Yes, totally. Where it's just like, oh God, it's always a problem. You're always like offended by something, you know? Nothing Um, we do
2: is ever good enough. Why do we try?
1: Yeah, this is supposed to be fun. So I would suggest that the letter writer just kind of move on. Just say, you know, it, it was funny, you know, thank you guys for thinking of me. I did actually want to see everyone to celebrate my birthday. Could everyone meet me for a drink? Or day at the swimming pool, or yeah. a, whatever. Um, just say what you do want, and then do that again next, in like like nine months from now, a little bit before your next birthday, and just drop a hint about what you might like. Yeah. I don't think it makes sense to give like negative feedback on a gift that was a good effort that just didn't land.
2: Yeah, I think the like, I mean, you can also, this is what I would actually do. This isn't a good advice. You can just eat it, right? Like you can mm-hmm. just stuff it down and be like, no, this was actually really nice. I like just hadn't had a chance, you know, like to sit with it or, or you know, or just yeah. like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for your your thoughtfulness. You don't have to feel bad for being disappointed. Like, I think that's just a reaction. Like, You know, if you had your heart set on something or were like, Ooh, this, I can't wait to see what exciting restaurant I get to go on Mm -hmm. a friend night out with or a date to or a solo trip, it's okay to be disappointed. But I think like to take that out on them while they were trying to do like a specific and unique and delightful thing to you Mm -hmm. and weren't so far off base. Right. It was like something, it was a gift that is in a realm that you like. They really tried. They they were like, ooh, we think, we think this is going to be fun for you. And you were yeah. just like, no, I feel nothing. And that's, you're not, you don't have to feel the feelings, but you also like, it's nobody's fault necessarily.
1: Right. Um, okay. So accept it, probably move on, hope for better and plant the seeds for better next year. Mm. I think you can do it. You're listening to Dear Prudence, and when we come back, we'll be reading more of your letters. Stay with us. Can't get enough of Dear Prudence? Then you should definitely join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. You'll get to hear me answer an extra question every week just for members. Like today's episode with my husband and fellow Slatester, Joel Anderson.
2: Older people, grandparents are extremely opinionated, Mm -hmm. especially because they have no real stake in what's going
0: on. Right. So I just kind of feel like you're not going to change them.
1: With your subscription, you get ad-free listening across the Slate network and unlimited reading on the Slate site, including all Dear Prudence columns, past and present. Go to slate.com forward slash prudy plus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. Again, that's slate.com forward slash prudy plus. Welcome back to Dear Prudence. I'm here with my guest, Josh, to answer your letters. And the next one is titled Worried and Whiplashed.
0: I just got married and my husband and I mostly get along well. One thing I've really appreciated about him is that he accepts no food shame. As someone recovering from an eating disorder, I really like that he gently pushes back on people who shame him for seconds. He's sporty, but not slim, or who talk about him deserving X, Y, or Z food after a hard soccer game or run. I assume that it's his healthy reaction to his food shaming mom. But the other half of this is that he is very angry when he can't get food. He's usually mellow, but if we order dinner and it's very late or incorrect, he becomes moody and upset. A colleague once got drunk at a party and ate a sandwich he ordered, and he talked about it whenever she came up in conversation, for years, to the extent that I pointed out it felt a little bullying, Maybe she owed him an apology, but I also again thought the problem was small and fixable. Today, we heard a crash from the other room. It turned out to be innocuous. And when we returned, our dog had snatched the second half of his sandwich. To me, my first concern is whether or not our dog will have the runs. My second thought is that it's kind of funny. Not for my husband. He raged, cried, and then took to the bedroom. He said he hated our dog and wanted to take her back to the shelter. I offered him half of my sandwich or suggested that we go pick up another since it's less than half an hour round trip to the deli. He told me I wasn't allowing him to feel his feelings. I know when people are stressed about other things, it can come out in small things. But this is the least stressful part of our lives. We have a lovely home, both work jobs with slow summer hours, and are done with the stress of wedding planning. He also has a truly great job that he has always wanted. And it's only around food. I'm someone who struggles to feel anger at all. I've been in years of therapy and feel like I have a much healthier approach to my own anger, but his anger makes me nervous. And I'm not sure if it's just because I'm anger averse or if these intense outbursts over small things are actually dysfunctional. We were having a nice day until this happened. Now I'm hanging out alone with our dog while he's upstairs. I'm tempted to suggest he talk to his therapist about this. Am I pathologizing an unpleasant personality quirk that I should just tolerate?
1: You do not have to have personal issues with feeling anger to have a problem with your spouse raging and wanting to return your dog. Over half of a sandwich Mm -hmm. when he's still got the other half. I mean, I I do relate to feeling kind of unhinged and not like myself when I'm really hungry. Like, if you're ever out of town at a hotel, you have no food in the whole hotel room, you order DoorDash, you wait 45 minutes and then they cancel it for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. You really feel like I'll just speak for myself. I feel sort of desperate and out of control. No, Um, you can
2: speak for me as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But um, this reaction to me was just beyond. Right.
2: Yeah, this is not a commensurate reaction with what the problem was. This is like a classic funny thing a dog does. If I like, if my dog still have my sandwich, I would be so, I would be devastated to lose half a sandwich. I would only love my dog more (laughs) for doing for doing such a classic comedy bit.
1: Right, and if Busy stole half your sandwich and your wife lost it and ran upstairs and cried, you would think your wife needed help.
2: I would be concerned. And it seems like a writer has pinpointed this, that it's not just a broad anger issue. It feels like a food control issue that is different than the ones you're accustomed to seeing, right? It's not mm-hmm. any kind of food shame, but it is a real sense of like food as uh, some kind of physical control or love or, mm. you know, there is something there's the the note behind the note in mm. this case. Because um, it, it, it doesn't seem like this has come up in any other circumstances, right? It's not like, right. oh, my the guy that was supposed to deliver our armoire was late and he was upset. <laughs> it's like it's a sandwich-based feeling.
1: <laughs> right. I'm actually dying over him holding a grudge for years and, and bullying the colleague over eating his food. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I mean, it
1: really
2: really sounds like the kind, and I can picture the tone too. Like Mm -hmm. I know that kind of like joke that's gone past the life of the joke being funny of like, oh, Hey, um, did you bring the chips or did you eat them on the way over? And it's like, geez, (laughs) come on, man. Uh, It was
1: four years ago.
2: (laughs) It was four years ago. It was, and it's like, again, it's rude. And this is something that like you are allowed when someone eats your food, not a dog, but when a person eats your your food and you're like, hey, I was really saving those leftovers. I was felt um, I was bummed out to not have them. And they go, oh, sorry, I didn't realize that this is yours or whatever. And then you move past it. It doesn't feel like a – not that, that your husband is a bad person. It just seems like these he's having these responses around food that like maybe are something that he could – work on.
1: Mm -hmm. But I also think that you, a general rule I have is it never feels like it's going to be successful when you're giving someone suggestions or assignments Mm -hmm. for things to talk to their therapist about. Yeah. I don't know why. It just never seems like it's going to work out once you get to that point about like, talk to your therapist about this, you know?
2: And yes, because it feels like the response is always going to be, well, talk to your therapist about it. Yeah. (laughs) If it bothers you so much.
1: (laughs) He's already working with the therapist. And if they haven't gotten to the root of this somehow. Like maybe yeah. it's not a great therapist. Um yeah. so I'm not I do think there's something there, but I'm not super hopeful about the letter writer saying, oh bring this up in your next session and he'll, you know, he'll fix it. I don't yeah. I don't think that's gonna work.
2: I think that is a reasonable caveat to this. But I definitely this feels like something that you have noticed as like a um a real thing to clock and that is it's okay to be a little um not i cuz i don't want to say like uneasy i don't want to like bring fear into it mm-hmm. but it is okay to be like oh this is a weird reaction and it's okay to notice the weirdness of that and to like register that with him of like oh it it is a this is a solvable problem like sometimes people do want to be heard and not problem solved for that's like a very real kind of listening right and and partnership that that people look for is like no i'm i'm in the midst of this Stressful thing. Just hear me out while I process my feelings. This seems not like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like like, the the dog took my sandwich doesn't feel like a. am grieving this now. Don't try to solve my problem yet for most people.
1: And also, it's like people always say that it's a different kind of challenge to recover from an eating disorder compared to alcohol or drugs, for example, because you cannot completely abstain from food. You still have to engage with it and navigate it every day, um, even if you're in recovery. So, that kind of reminds me of this because food is going to continue to be an issue three times a day or more for the rest of their lives, you know? So, there's and there's going to be times when the food doesn't materialize or someone else eats it or it's late to the table. So there's not even a way of avoiding this. So I I think my suggestion, well, first of all, um, I think it's great that the letter writer is so self-reflective, but I also think she's being too self-reflective. Like Mm -hmm. her eating disorder, her struggles about feeling anger, they don't come into play here. I think she worries that she's looking at this in a biased way or being unfair because of her own issues. And I just want to say you're not... um, I think her request to him should not be don't get so upset about food, but it should be don't lash out at me or other people when you're upset yeah. about food. Like you're, you can be upset if you decide to talk about it with your therapist. That's fine. If you don't, that's fine too. But I can't be in a relationship with someone who is angry and hateful to humans and animals over things that are not that deep.
2: Yeah. I think that that is very fair, right? All you can ask him to do, you can't necessarily ask him to change his feelings but you can certainly say hey this this can't be i mean not in these so many words but this can't be my problem <laughs> you right. cannot make this you can't start to like every, every time a dog the dog eats something off the floor you can't be like i was saving that for later <laughs> and, then, and like and like pack the dog into a crate and send it across state lines
1: right um maybe start carrying around almonds in your pocket so you can just like have a couple mm-hmm. to calm down so you're not feeling yeah. starving um but yeah his this behavior is not normal. It's not okay. And it's not looking that way only because of your background letter writer. It's truly unhinged. Um, and you're, you're right to not be okay with it. You don't have to analyze where it comes from or why he's like this. Like You can just be okay with someone not throwing a tantrum over a sandwich.
2: Just to caveat real quick, there are, I think, ex- experiences in dietary physical needs sometimes where people mm. need to eat sooner or mm. faster. And that is a very destabilizing Feeling uh, at times when you if you if it's something about keeping your blood sugar level to manage mm-hmm. uh, something like diabetes, it doesn't sound like that's at play here. Or like I just being wanted,
1: hypoglycemic or something yes, like
2: that. Yes, yes, yes. I and love so, that like, you gave
1: us the response that everyone we give on Twitter if we say I know.
2: Like, I like hedge it. I'm yeah. so. I always <laughs> feel the person online yelling at me, like the the person that's like, "Well, this is an issue that I deal with," and it's like, well, "Certainly, but." I wasn't talking about that, right. but I do understand that there are, these circumstances exist for people. And if you're like, "Oh, I had to eat this half of the sandwich to like keep my blood sugar stable, so I'm, mm-hmm. I don't crater," uh, that's real. But it sounds like the letter writer would have mentioned that if that were a yeah. factor. Yeah, and again,
1: like pocket full of almonds and granola bars solves a lot. <laughs> yes, exactly. This is Dear Prudence. We need to take a break, but when we come back, more letters from you and advice from us. Stay tuned. I'm Janae, and you're listening to Dear Prudence. Are you ready for one last question, Josh?
2: I am ready.
1: Okay, it's called coffee break.
4: My mother has worked for a doctor's office for over 30 years. Her old boss retired three years ago, and the practice was bought out by three women. I live about five minutes away from her office. Since I started my new telecommuting job, and I'm a big coffee snob, I've started bringing my mother and her three end coworkers their favorite coffees in the morning when I get up. Think espresso, two iced coffees, and a few treats. I've known these ladies since I was a kid, and it felt like a nice tradition. Get up, make the coffees, and walk them over in the morning to get my steps in and see my mother. Only, one of my mom's new bosses is painfully tone-deaf about the event. She constantly jokes about where her coffee is, how much she would love free service like this, etc. It makes my mother and her coworkers very uncomfortable. I don't know what to do here. I I don't want to stop it, but I don't want to endanger my mom's position. At one of my previous jobs, I had a piece of shit supervisor bring all the executives to crash whatever birthday, retirement, baby shower was going on in the peon's break room, like it was their personal catered lunch. And of course they paid for nothing and wouldn't even sign the card. What do I do here?
1: so letter writer um you're very sweet i'm sure you're a great barista but this is not working anymore
2: yeah this is bad
1: let's go back to the purpose here the purpose of the coffee delivery is to make your mom and her colleagues happy um what's happening now is that you say everyone is uncomfortable and the boss is potentially hurt and jealous let's just stop it let's say let's you know thank the tradition for its service to us and just end it
2: yeah, it seem, right. It seems like the circumstances have changed and this thing that used to bring everyone joy is now <laughs> bringing everyone discomfort. And it's not that you did it wrong. It is specifically, you didn't do anything wrong. It's not that your mom it, it doesn't want to see you anymore. It is that this this new person has injected themselves into this tradition uh, and they have peed in your coffee every morning. <laughs> and it's not, it's their... I think you're right. I think there is every solve for this is like if it were just like an annoying coworker, you can that's a conversation that maybe someone can have, but you can't tell your boss like hey you're you're really ruining the vibes. The vibes are <laughs> off at coffee time because you're hanging out.
1: And you remind me of all these other horrible bosses. Yeah, in yeah, the past yeah, yeah. Oh and yeah. You right. always ruin everything. Hey,
2: you're like this piece of shit that I used to know. <laughs> Like, nobody is going to take that well.
1: It's just not going to end well. I mean, you could bring coffee for everyone, but that seems ridiculous. It's sort of like in elementary school, where if you brought cupcakes for your birthday, you had to bring them for the whole class. But that's once a year. This can't be an everyday thing. Like, you're not Starbucks. Just stop. Um, I do think that you could do what normal people do, which is invite the colleagues over to your home for a tea party, a coffee party, a happy hour, a holiday celebration, and you know, do it in a place where it's not in everyone else's face, making people feel left up.
2: Yeah. It feels like this person is injecting themselves into a situation that was so nice. It's so tough because this just doesn't quite rise to the occasion of a thing you can like gently tell your boss, like, oh, this is kind of like a little thing that we do as like, you know, to decompress as you're as, as this team because mm-hmm. because when it's the boss it is like their prerogative to be annoying and their responsibility to know better and this mm-hmm. person is only exercising half of that
1: totally that's exactly it um so go ahead and get your mom a starbucks card let her do what she wants with her colleagues and invite them over to the house mm. be a hostess um and just, you know, say goodbye to this tradition, which was really nice, but as, is not what we're going to do anymore.
2: Yeah. Nothing lasts forever, even cold November rain. <laughs> this is a bummer. I like really feel for this. Oh, I'm so sorry.
1: I'm ugh. sorry too. And I, I wish I had better ideas, but we have to be realistic here. This is not like part of our culture to hand deliver coffee to only a few people in the office every day.
2: Mm-hmm. And you just can't like, oh, it's so hard to tell someone in a position of power, like, you have a bad personality
1: (laughs) right right and the thing is there's there's a difference between being a miserable unpleasant unkind person as a boss and doing something that's actually not allowed like there are a lot of things that are really unpleasant and are also completely allowed and your boss is allowed to like retaliate against you um Legally, maybe no, but are you really going to take them to court over whatever happens? Let's just eliminate any future problems around coffee jealousy and just not do it. Those are all the questions we have for this week. It has been fun and hopefully helpful. Thank you, Josh.
2: Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. This was such a, a pleasure and I hope uh, I haven't sent anyone's life off the rails.
1: I hope not. Um, if you have, I'm going to send them to you. To
2: okay, that's fix fair. It, yeah. To, to Just, refix to it. Send them to come beat me up or whatever.
1: <laughs> Go watch Josh's debut stand-up special, People Pleaser. It hilariously explores the pressures of appearing in friends' dreams, having new enemies, and choosing the right wedding DJ. <laughs> Thank you. Do you need help getting along with partners, relatives, coworkers, and people in general? Write to me. Go to slate.com forward slash prudy. That's slate.com forward slash P R U D I E. The Dear Prudence column publishes every Thursday.
2: If you'd like to hear your question answered on the podcast, we are looking for letter writers who would be comfortable recording their questions for the show. You can stay anonymous.
1: Dear Prudence is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks with a special thanks to Brandon Nix. Editorial help from Paola De Verona. Daisy Rosario is Senior Supervising Producer. And Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of Audio. I'm your dear Prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. Until next time.